In 2006, while serving a stint in Wandsworth Prison, I was part of the Wandsworth Prison Magazine's editorial team. I decided to write a piece in relation to slavery and how black slaves were controlled. But I came up against stiff opposition who did not want me to, to relate in such detail about such an historic event. However, at the end of the day, I won the right to write this piece and I would like to reiterate it now in this podcast. It was titled, Think Yourself Free. It begins, slavery was abolished 150 years ago, but given its legacy, will Africans within the diaspora ever be truly free of its chains? A speech entitled How to Control Your Black Slaves given by a British slave owner, Willie Lynch, in the colony of Virginia in 1712, prophesied that if his methods were employed correctly and rigorously, it would be possible to control slaves for at least 300 years. He also argued that his methods were used intensively for one year the slaves would remain perpetually distrustful. Evidence of this perpetual distrust is still apparent today, rooted in the lack of knowledge of self and of past from which Africans in the diaspora still suffer. The consequence is a cultural unawareness of heritage, causing many to be unable to identify themselves with Africa or anything African. A grassroots level Black, excuse me, at grassroots level, black women are gaining employment at an impressive rate, whilst black men are still struggling to secure their feet firmly on the employment ladder. Black women's newfound financial independence has left some men feeling powerless and cast aside. Many of these men rely solely on state benefits to survive, and some turn to unscrupulous methods in the pursuit of money. In this unequal financial environment, relationships between black men and women often break down. The man feeling insecure and threatened by the woman's newly acquired status may seek out a new relationship in which he believes he is more appreciated. The woman realizes she does not have to rely on the man for financial or emotional support and drops to forge ahead alone. In his speech, Lynch also advises the plantation owners to note down any significant differences between their slaves, such as in age, colour, gender, intelligence, size, etc. Plantation owners were then to magnify these differences in order to instil fear, envy and distrust, thus making the slaves easier control. Once successfully pitted against one another, they will respect and trust only us, says Lynch. And it appears that many black people still subconsciously prefer to trust the plantation owner rather than their own kind. Lynch's audience found it acceptable to use light-skinned Africans as house slaves 
because they were more closely represented their own, the plantation owner's skin tone. Dark-skinned Africans were mostly used as field slaves. This aesthetic consciousness is played out today by dark-skinned women who bleach their skins in an attempt to look lighter. They are in effect, they are in effect damaging their flesh with chemicals and are not helped by the media who portray lighter-skinned men and women on the covers of black hair and fashion magazines, suggesting this is the essence of beauty and the way one should look in order to be accepted. The plantation owner could never cope with an intelligent black slave, but a subservient and strong slave who could put to work was good economics because they worked without questioning their situation. Even today we find it easier to celebrate the physical attributes of black sports and music superstars than to celebrate the intellectual achievements of highly successful black entrepreneurs or other successful public figures. Just look at the youth's obsession with bling and physical appearance rather than with academic aspirations. Undoubtedly, one of the triumphs of slavery and probably its greatest legacy is racism. The intrinsic notion of the superiority of the white individual over all non-whites. This deep-rooted prejudice stretched back at least to colonialism. Lynch argued that real power lies in the capacity to instill fear and a sense of inf inferiority into somebody you barely know and he promoted brutal and sometimes lethal methods to achieve this. Male African slaves were sometimes tarred and feathered, set alight and tied between two horses, their bodies ripped apart in front of other slaves and their children. This was used to submit the will of the slave to the masters. In particular, it was designed to make the women slaves lose faith in the strength of their mouths, with no male present to protect her. She would move from being psychologically dependent on her man to being in what Lynch described as a frozen psychological state of independence. Witnessing such a death of a male slave made her determined to make sure that her boys would never suffer a similar fate, so she raised her offspring with reversed roles training them out to be mentally weak and dependent, but physically strong, and the female to be independent. This suited the slave owners perfectly, the black woman in front and the black man behind running scared. Out of frozen fear for her man and her offspring, the woman would stand guard, protecting the slave owner and his, and his property from danger. By the time the male offspring were of age to work, their masters land, they were already broken in and ready for their long lives of servitude. Echoes of this dynamic still exist today. Most African Caribbean children are brought up in single parent households where their mother is the head of the household. Most Afro-Caribbean girls are able to harness the strong psychological tendencies of their mothers to steer them successfully through school life. The boys, on the other hand, are more likely to lack focus, and if they do assert themselves after 
misinterpreted as being aggressive by usually white middle-class women who do not understand their culture. A stalemate ensues in which the teacher loses the desire to teach the boy and more often than not tells the boy that they will amount to nothing. This in turn feeds the lack of confidence that was there in the first place. With their dreams cut short by teachers who have such little respect for them, many end up being expelled or excluded. Not surprisingly, many African Caribbean boys join the street gangs to feel a sense of belonging, resulting in antisocial and criminal behaviour and subsequently prison. An additional note at the end of Willie Lynch's speech is a quote from Henry Berry speaking in the Virginia House of Delegates in 1832. We have as far as possible closed every avenue by which light may enter there the slaves' minds. If we could extinguish the capacity to see the light, our work would be complete. They would then be on a level with the beasts of the field and we should be safe. I'm not certain that we would not do it if we could find out a process and that on the plea of necessity. Fortunately, no process was found, and the plea of necessity never became overwhelming. Despite a lifelong existence of subservience and brutality, Africans sold into slavery showed superhuman resilience. The racist philosophies which allowed the system to flourish for so long may not be so overtly expressed in today's society, but it has left its legacy. Racism breeds improvisement, seen all too often within black communities. The men carry around unresolved anger at being deprived of the opportunity to compete on a level playing field because of the colour of their skin. Although surveys suggest that children of working-class ethnic minority parents are finally breaking into the middle class, the significant factor is that it is mostly black women who are doing it. We should not be surprised at the success of the fair agenda if we consider, consider the slave master's philosophy that it is best to negotiate with her, through her, by her. As Lynch's speech shows, ever since the time of slavery, the intention has been to disempower black men in particular. Even though racism is still very much alive, as shown by the recent slaying of Anthony Walker in Liverpool and the impoverishment that is rife within black communities, African men in the diaspora have come a long way since the emancipation of our transatlantic forefathers and have continually made a significant contribution to Western society. It is only when you are armed with a clear sense of your place in history that you can positively and progressively move forward. The key to this is education and self-belief. With knowledge and belief in yourself, you can reject the racism that you meet on a daily basis. You do not need to let what happened in the past hold you back. You can close the door and move on. But sound knowledge of the past is necessary. To provide you with the survival skills necessary to forge ahead and realise your full potential.
Although this article was written some 25 years ago, it would appear not much has really changed in terms of what I have talked about, though there has been some relevant progress. Racism is still very prevalent. The ideologies of Willie Lynch's are still very much prevalent, though in a more subtle way. I hope this article helps to enlighten, inform, and allows others to feel a sense of belonging. Okay. Mm-hmm.